All right, well, hey, one thing that I want us to do this morning, I want to give you an update on our friend Bill. Um, Bill is our worship pastor if you're visiting with us, and you may not know Bill very well. Um, but Bill, on, on Friday, we were getting ready for um, our drive-in services, and, and right here underneath this patio, he had slipped off a little platform, fell, broke some ribs, broke his sternum, had a little bit of internal bleeding. He was put in the hospital. He was put in ICU on Friday night. He was moved to a regular room yesterday, and so he's doing much better, but we certainly need to continue to pray for Bill, okay? If you would do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it, and we're going to pray for him in just a moment, but first, let's, let's get into our message this morning. Man, I'm so glad that you are here. You know, I think we all would agree that we have never done Easter like this before, Right? I was listening to a sermon by Billy Graham the other day, and it happened to be a sermon that he preached on an Easter Sunday some 50-plus years ago. He started out his message by saying these words, Probably never before in the history of the entire world has there ever been an Easter like this before. He spoke those words during a time when countries were either at war with one another or they were threatening War. He spoke um, during a time when hatred was growing, not only domestically, but also internationally. The times were bad. But I would say to you this morning that there has probably never been a time in our history that we've done church like this before. Would you agree with that? On a Sunday when most churches would be overflowing with people, today they sit empty. I read a meme this week that, that went like this. Church buildings may be empty this Easter, but so was the grave. What great words of hope for us this morning. The building behind us does not make up the church, does it? You and I make up the church, whether we're sitting in our cars right now or whether you're listening to me online or whether you're outside beside your car. We make up the church, don't we? This building is where we disciple believers. But that's not where the church is. The church is right here this morning. What a glorious morning it is. You know, yes, we find ourselves being held captive by this unseen disease we call the coronavirus. It is responsible for the death of around 100,000 people worldwide, close to over 20,000 deaths here in our own country. Our economy has come to a standstill. We are experiencing record unemployment. Our idols have been stripped from us. Sports, man, all, most of us here love sports. Okay, you know that there's a problem when the number one sport in the country is eye racing. That's messed up, isn't it? Our idols have been stripped from us. Our entertainment venues have been stripped from us. Our social gatherings, we've been told we can't do that. I mean, there's a reason that we're spread out this morning because we're told that we can't get within six feet of each other. All non-essential workers have been forced to work from home or forced out of work. Our homes have become schoolhouses. Yes, this may not be like any Easter we have ever experienced before, but I want you to know this morning that that grave is still empty, isn't it? The grave is empty because Jesus rose to life three days after they placed him in it. That is what we are celebrating today. Just as Jesus experienced victory over death, everyone that is listening to my voice this morning can experience 
victory over death today as well. You can experience life this morning if you would place your faith and trust in Jesus. What a day and what a morning. When I woke up this morning, it was thundering. It was raining. Man, I didn't know if we were going to be able to do this or not. But look at us now. Here we are worshiping one another. What a morning this is. Our message point this morning is this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that there is indeed life after death. In Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, we read these words. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. And he said, Come, see the place where, they, where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. Then they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see him. I want us to see this morning three invitations that we are given. The first invitation is this, come and see. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you again this morning, Lord, just thanking you for the opportunity to worship you, thanking you for the opportunity, Lord, just to come and see for ourselves that you were indeed victorious over death. Lord, we lift up our friend Bill to you this morning as he's in the hospital, Father, and, and we know that he's going to be watching in on this service in just a little bit. We pray for a speedy recovery for him and healing upon his broken body, Lord. And we thank you for him, Father. And we thank you for what you're going to do now as we dive into your word this morning. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Come and see. What we have come to celebrate is the greatest and most monumental day in human history. We have come to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know this to be the greatest of days. But for the two Marys who went to the tomb that morning, it didn't start out to be the greatest of days for them. In verse 1 we read, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Here's what these two women were doing. They were heading to the tomb for one reason. They had come to fulfill to finish preparing the body of Jesus for his burial, which would have been cut short on, on, on the day that he was crucified because of the Sabbath. Think about that for a second. These women, and we know the disciples who spent three years with Jesus, had heard Jesus over and over again predict his death, burial, and resurrection. In fact, at the very beginning of his earthly ministry, Jesus made it clear that he would die and be buried and raised to life again. And in John 2, 18 through 21, we read these words. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 
The Jews then said, it has taken us 46 years to build this temple, and when you raise it up in three days, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. And then in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 through 40, we read the story of how Jesus spoke about uh, uh, and used the illustration um, of Jonah in the belly of the well for three days and three nights, or in the belly of that giant fish. And he spoke how he would spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He made that prediction abundantly clear to those religious leaders and his disciples. Over and over, Jesus spoke to both his disciples and the religious leaders about his death, burial, and resurrection. Not only did he speak it, but Old Testament Scripture prophesied about it as well, didn't it? Now the time had come. Three days following the death of Jesus, the Marys should not have been heading to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, but they should have been going to see that that tomb was empty, right? As they are approaching the tomb, the ground below them begins to shake. And the morning sky must have lit up when the angel of the Lord descended from above and came and rolled back that stone. In verses 2 through 4, we read these words, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead Men, what a sight that must have been for those two Marys. The scene was so majestic that the guards fell over like dead people because they were so scared of what they had just witnessed. Clearly, in addition to those guards being fearful, we know also that the two Marys were struck with fear. In fact, in verse 5 we read, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Some of the most powerful words ever spoken are those words right there. He is not here, for he has risen. That is why we have come to celebrate this morning. It is to celebrate that reality. The bedrock of our Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning, you may be listening to my voice this morning, and you may be very skeptical about Christianity. You may be thinking this morning that dead people just don't rise to life again. You may be thinking that there is absolutely no evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You may be also thinking, how can I believe a story that were writ was written by a group of men some 2,000 years ago? If that is you this morning, I want you to know that you are not the first skeptic that has ever questioned the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're not the first, and you certainly will not be the last, but I want you to know right now, you can leave this place no longer being a skeptic because there were not just two people that saw Jesus post-resurrection. There were hundreds, if not thousands of people that witnessed Jesus and his resurrected body. 
one of the most important atheists to come to faith was C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a prolific writer. He is described as one of the most important theologians of the 20th centuries. When he, when he came to faith, he, his life radically changed. He went from running from Christ to running to Christ. You may this morning, you may need to do that very thing. You may need to quit running from Christ and start running to Christ. Not only did C.S. Lewis come to faith, but the writer of 13 of our New Testament books also went from being a denier of Christ, a persecutor against Christians, to becoming a follower of Jesus. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8, he wrote these words. He wrote, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Not only did the angel declare that Jesus had risen from the dead, there were hundreds of more people that saw with their very eyes that Jesus Christ indeed had risen to life again. In fact, one of his disciples, by the name of Thomas, often referred to as Doubting Thomas, stuck his very hands into Jesus' nail-pierced hands and into his side as well. In fact, in John 20, 27 through 28, we read these words. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Then put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not believe, disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. I am confident this morning that there is somebody listening to my voice that also today needs to make that very declaration that Thomas did. My Lord and my God. Is that you this morning? Are you in need of Jesus this morning? If you haven't trusted in him, what is keeping you from doing that? Let's look at one more part of the conversation that the angel of the Lord had with these women. He invited these women to come into the tomb to see where the body of Jesus had been placed. In verse 28, or verse 6 of chapter 28, the latter part says, Come and see the place where he lay. You realize that that stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out, right? Because Jesus, right before he appeared to Thomas, he walked through a wall. Okay, Jesus didn't need that tomb rolled away for him to come out. He came out of that tomb before that rock was rolled away. That rock was rolled away to let those women in to see with their very eyes that Jesus was no longer in there for he had risen to life again. If you are a skeptic this morning, know this, that that tomb was indeed empty. Nobody stole that body. Jesus rose to life again, and that is the bedrock of our faith. We can celebrate that this morning and believe it. He is not there, for he is risen, my friends. Notice the angel's instruction um, secondly here. The angel says, go and tell, in verse 7, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See 
I have told you. Two women came that day to the tomb to finish preparing Jesus' body for, for, for burial. They went to that tomb themselves being a little doubtful, being greatly fearful, being apprehensive. But after their supernatural encounter, they left as the first messengers of the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What an honor that would have been. Can you imagine the enormous responsibility that they were given to go and tell the other disciples that Jesus indeed had risen to life again? What if they had chosen that day to ignore the words of the angel of the Lord? What if they had decided to keep the most important message ever spoken to humanity to themselves? You know, as a faith family, we've been walking through the book of James together, haven't we? And as we've walked through the book of James, we have learned and studied over and over again that we have been called not to be just hearers of the Word of God, but to be doers of the Word as well. These women, they left there not only hearing the Word, but they left there being doers of the Word as well. Let us all guard the gospel like them. And let us all also quickly share the gospel with others. And then in verse 8 we read, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. You can be certain that those women didn't just jog. They didn't skip along. They didn't stop to smell the roses. They ran as quickly as they could to tell the disciples. And what is so glorious about this, as they're going and running and telling, they have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, don't they? In verse 9 we read, And behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him right there along that pathway. Charles Spurgeon, great theologian and preacher, spoke these words. He said, Saints running in the way of obedience are likely to be met by Jesus. You know, when we run in the way of obedience toward that mark that Jesus has called us to run toward, as we run this race of life toward that finish line, guess what? We're going to be met by Jesus as well. We're going to be able to worship the resurrected Jesus as well. You know, one of my favorite songs um, is a song by Mercy Me. And the lyrics of that, the song's called I Can Only Imagine, but the lyrics go like this. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. One day, we are all going to imagine what that is going to be like. And for the believer, how are we going to respond? Are we going to fall at the feet of Jesus and worship him? Are we going to embrace him? Will he embrace us? We don't know, but we know it's going to be a glorious encounter. For the unbeliever, though, let me be clear with you as well. The Bible makes it clear that every single one of us one day will stand before Jesus and be judged for the things that we have done here on this earth. And if you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repented of your sins, then the Bible is clear that you will spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. One day, all of us will stand before Jesus. For the believer, man, we're going to receive our reward. For the unbeliever, there will be eternal consequences for that. Notice 
these comforting words Jesus offered to these women and subsequently to us. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Our third and final point is this. Believe today. Place your faith in Jesus Christ today. What is keeping you this morning from doing that very thing? What is keeping you from repenting of your sins? What is keeping you from responding as the Marys did and falling at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him today? Jesus died for you. He literally went to the cross and died the most painful of deaths and shed his blood so that your sins and my sins could be covered by the blood of Jesus God the Father, know this, accepted the work of God the Son on the cross so that you and I could become saved men, saved women, saved students, and saved children. The Bible makes it clear that you and I will one day stand before Jesus Christ. And we can be certain of this, that the work of Christ on the cross, his life and his resurrection was approved by God the Father. And we can enter into heaven through Jesus Christ if we would place our faith and trust in him. I want you to know this morning that whatever you might be going through, today the resurrected Christ wants to walk with you through it. Whatever suffering you are experiencing, the resurrected Christ wants to comfort you. Whatever you are fearful of today, the resurrected Christ wants you to know that you do not have to be afraid. Whatever sin you have committed, Christ wants you to know that he will indeed forgive you of that sin. You may say, the sins I've committed are just unforgivable. They are too great to ever be forgiven by a holy, righteous God. I want you to know this morning that that is so far from the truth. The day that Jesus was crucified on that wooden tree, upon that cross, there were two other men that were crucified with him. And the Bible tells us that one of those men died to his sin. One of those men, though, died a sinner. One of those men asked Jesus from the cross, said, Jesus, remember me today as you go into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. You know why Jesus made that declaration? Because that man recognized that Jesus was on that cross shedding his blood for his sins. And he recognized that the only way that he could enter into an eternal relationship with God the Father was through God the Son. And so he chose that day to believe in Jesus Christ. The other man that was on that cross He didn't experience the same fate. Scripture tells us that he cursed basically Jesus from the cross. He denied Jesus from the cross. And as a result of that, he has spent eternity separated from Christ even this morning. If you were to die today, which of those men's stories would be like yours? Will you die a sinner's death? because you have chosen not to believe in Jesus? Or will you be welcomed into the welcoming arms of Jesus? In 1 Corinthians 15, 20-22, we read these words. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, 
So also in Christ shall all be made alive. For as in Adam all die. Because of that first sin that was committed in the Garden of Eden, all of humanity stands condemned before a holy God. All of humanity stood condemned before God the Father. And the Bible makes it very, very clear in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us here, everyone that's listening to my voice today, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that because we have fallen short of the glory of God, because of our sin, the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. The consequences for our sin, the consequences for us falling short of God's glory is eternal death. If the Bible stopped right there, there would be no good news for any of us here today. But the Bible does not stop there. That verse does not stop there. Jesus did not just die upon the cross. He rose to life again from the grave. And the Bible goes on to say in Romans 6.23, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a free gift that has been made available to all of us. It is an absolute free gift. You don't have to do anything to earn your salvation. In fact, you can't do enough good to earn your salvation. There's only one way that you can be saved. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear in Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's only one way to God the Father, and that is through God the Son. That is for you to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you would do that this morning, the Bible makes it clear that you indeed will be saved. Repent of your sins this morning. Place your faith and trust in Jesus this morning. Confess him to be the Lord and Savior of your life this morning. If you haven't done that, what is keeping you from doing that? I've got some great more words of truth for you this morning. In Romans 10, 13, we read these words. For everyone, not some ones, not most ones, not a few ones, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you would call out to Jesus today and surrender your life over to him, the Bible makes it clear that you today will be saved. Can you think of anything more glorious than that? Is there anything that could be more glorious on this day than knowing that Jesus died for you? The Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus made it clear that there are not a hundred ways to heaven, but there is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus this morning. Place your faith and trust in him this morning. Repent of your sins this morning. Experience the cleansing blood of Jesus this morning. Be born again and set free this morning from the curse of sin. When that first sin was committed in the garden by Adam and Eve, everything was cursed from that moment on. 
Creation was cursed. The land was cursed. Man was cursed. Woman was cursed. Everything was cursed. The reason we're seeing this virus sweep across this land is because of the curse that is being brought against our land. It's a broken world. We're broken people. Everything around us is broken. But know this, through Jesus, you can be made well. You can be brought back to full health today. Maybe not physically, but spiritually, you absolutely can be. What is keeping you today from being born again? Know that you can go from life, from death to life today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's good news, isn't it, folks? I can't imagine a better day for you to accept Jesus Christ than on this day today, on this glorious Easter morning. When I was an 11-year-old boy, on Easter Sunday, I walked an aisle and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I repented of my sins and I made Christ Lord and Savior of my life. It was on an Easter Sunday. Now I remember that like it was yesterday. And here's what I'll tell you right now. You will remember today like it was yesterday, even 50 years from now, if you would give your life over to Jesus Christ. You're never going to forget the fact that you trusted Christ sitting behind the steering wheel of your car instead of inside the church house or online on your couch, wherever it might be today. Make the monumental decision today of giving your life to Jesus Christ. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And when I say amen, I'm not going to ask you to walk forward and give your life to Jesus like we normally would, okay? Because we've got to still practice good social distancing. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you don't know Jesus today and you want to know Jesus then I want you to just hang back for a few minutes after we depart from this parking lot. And I'm going to be up here at the front. We'll practice good social distancing. I would love to share with you today more about how you can trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're watching this online, I want to invite you to email me at fbctruth.gmail.com. Call the church office. Um, Come by and see us. We want to help you walk with Jesus this morning. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I usually don't do this at the end of my services, but I'm going to do it right now. I want to give you an opportunity on this day to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. A prayer, saying a prayer after me will not get you saved, okay? What's going to get you saved is you repenting of your sins and trusting in Christ to be your Lord and Savior. But I want to help you today, walk with you, and give you an opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just close our eyes now, wherever we might be, and take just a moment. You may be here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You may be listening to me right now, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible makes it clear that in order to enter into an eternal relationship with Jesus, you have to repent of your sins, and you need to surrender your life over to Jesus. And the way that we surrender our lives over to Jesus is we confess Him to be Lord and Savior of our lives, and we begin living our life for Him. So if today you need to trust Jesus and you haven't done that before, you haven't repented of your sins, then I want to invite you right now 
to do that very thing. And here's what you do. Man, you just simply, where you're at, say it out loud. You could say it to yourself. But say where you're at. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I have fallen short of your glory. I admit that my sin separates me from you. And so, Jesus, I ask you on this day, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongdoings. And I confess today, Jesus, that you are Lord and Savior of my life. And Father, I commit today to beginning to live my life for you. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer this morning, please reach out to me. If you're watching this on Facebook, write a little note in there saying, hey, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. We want to celebrate with you. If you're listening to my voice here in this parking lot, come and find me after we're done because I want to celebrate with you as well. This hasn't been like any Easter that we've ever celebrated before, has it? But I want you to know it's been a good Easter because we've been able to celebrate, haven't we? I'm going to pray for us. And then after I pray, we're going to sing one more song and then we're going to be dismissed. I just want to make a couple of announcements before I pray. And Justin's going to um, actually kind of send us out. But just a couple of things just real quick. Be careful as you're leaving from here. This is kind of a dangerous exit out here. So be careful. Um, it's, it's a little easier to go out on this exit over here. We do have a couple of donation boxes up here for offering. If you want to drop an offering off as well, you can do that. If you need me, stick around. Call me. Email me. Would love to, to walk with you more and talk with you more about how you can enter into a relationship with Jesus. Well, let's pray together. Father God, thank you again for this day. Thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for the glorious blue skies. Thank you for the overcast skies that we've just had, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that on this day you rose to life again. And also on this day, I believe with all my heart that there have been people that have gone from being dead people to alive in Christ because they have repented of their sins and they have placed their faith in you. And what a day it is today to celebrate with them the resurrection of their lives and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Father, be with us now as we conclude our time of worship. Be with us as we leave from here, Father. Keep us safe as we travel home. Keep, keep our friends safe as well, Lord. Just do what only you can do, Father, in our lives, and that is mold us and shape us into men, women, students, and children that, that are made in your image and are being transformed in your image on a daily basis. Lord, we love you and we thank you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.